Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. How's it going? Fantastic. Awesome week. Uh, love October. It is crisp. It is clean. The blue sky in Colorado is extra blue. And I think it's because of all the yellow trees. How are you, sir? The colors. When I go home into my neighborhood, whoever did the landscaping design, the red, the orange, the green, and then the mountains in the background, blue skies, beautiful. So I hope everyone's having an awesome October. If you're not in October, shame on you. Shame on you. (laughs) Uh, Another good reason for a good week is I was just on the Entree um, Architect Group's uh, AMA, first AMA ever, which when... uh, Mark LePage suggested it to me. I'm like, at first I had to remember what an AMA and let's tell, is. Oh, yeah. So let's tell everybody what it is. So it's Ask Me Anything. Yes. And it was awesome. So I, I was honestly a little bit skeptical. Jealous. Slash, <laughs> slash skeptical. <laughs> uh, I was on the week before. I was teaching people stuff. No. Uh, it was. That, a- I think my point is proven. <laughs> It was awesome because uh, however, however, Mark, who was, uh, is a smart guy, figured out how to do the split screen. Yeah. And then it showed you guys. It was super professional and super engaging. And I thought, man, I hope this is a reoccurring thing because this is like another piece of content that I would love to listen to. I just love when people get asked questions like you got asked. Yeah. You know, even even who's taller, Lance yeah, or Al. Al. There you go. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Eric. Uh, he uses B Live, um, and then there were some technical issues. So there's two videos. Yeah, but that that wasn't because of anything marked. It was honestly it was because of Facebook it was just glitching out that morning. Because I admin, I, like I, I think I even left the comment. Hey, I'm I admin on a couple other pages, and everybody's having problems today. I couldn't even get on the Facebook when it was doing it. Yeah, so it was it had nothing to do with it. It was literally Facebook. Yep. So if if you want to watch that, uh, go join Entree Architect uh, group on Facebook, and you'll see it. You just have to scroll down and find it. Maybe I don't know if he could make that video. You know how you can upload photos to a group? Maybe you can make that video part of it. You know, so you just have those videos in there. Oh, I'm gonna give Mark some unsolicited advice. I would pin that to the top. I would pin that video to the top. So every week that I would do an AMA. I would pin it to the top. So every time you oh, scroll... and then a new... Yep, because that's what I do for our uh, podcast page. And other pages, too, is I just... If I if it's a hot topic of the week, pin yeah. it to the top, pin it to the top. And, and I won't rat you out, but Lance's admin on some pages that have thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So yeah. best practices. Okay, very cool. Anyways, uh, he let me know after the podcast. He, uh, he listened to our last episode. And we are talking about how to do some things with contracts. We we're talking about two things. One is how to do a, um, basically make the site plan, re- the response to comments, its own kind of section. And then the second thing was, how do you start to sell, sell you know, Extra building services. supplies, right? Oh yeah, that's right. That's where you're going with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, guys, I'll send you uh, my contracts that you can get by joining his Entree Architect uh group like paid group that he has so if you go to entrearchitect.com um he has a, a whole kind of like master class we'll put a link to it um where you join where basically he it's like 
what we do for Revit Furniture, give you all the Revit stuff that you need. He does that for running a firm. And he also runs a firm too, you know, so he practices what he preaches. Um, so I just wanted to go over some of them. And this is just one small part of, you know, everything that he gives out. But he sent us, you know, four, four things that could be useful. One was the cover letter that he uses. And he has, it's, he made a, a, a template so that you fill in your, your own stuff. I like, I like this cover letter. You know, when, when I'm uh, emailing clients, that's normally, you know, his kind of thoughts is what I'll do. Um, so I'm wondering if he just has this in the cover letter or if he sent, sends it as an attachment. Um, did you have any thoughts on that? Right from the, so I, I quickly read through everything this morning right before we started recording and I turned to Al and I go, wow, we weren't that far off. I mean, obviously I think this one is much, is, is better developed and it's more, it's, uh, it's just more clean and clear and that like the templates are beautiful, but yeah, I mean, it, I, there's nothing I would really complain about from an overall general structure about how, how everything's set up. I think, I think it's yeah. perfect. And I think it's, that's the, how you get land clients. It's the first part is you need to, you need to have this system set up. Yep. And, and, and the second file is his proposal that he sends out. And what I liked about it was our proposal. We have a lot of bolted points and then deliverables. And he has more description of what's going to happen. And I almost think we could combine some of these thoughts to make a better contract for us. Well, I've always, I, and I, I think I've mentioned this several times, is it would be nice if we had graphics to go along with it. So it showed the level of detail, like literally in schematic design, okay, it's just you're, you show the floor plans at a schematic design level, you design development, oh, see so a little bit more developed, and here's what you're looking for in construction docs. We, I thought we had that once. I thought we had that, or we had sets, like a DD set we could we could attach. Yeah, but I, I I get what you're saying and I like it. Um, it that it is that is a goal for me, for 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 the firm for me slash the firm by the by the end of the year early next is to finally put that freaking graphic together because I feel like even if it was supplementary to each of these detailed phases and it probably should be supplementary where it's just like see attached for supplementary graphics that go along with to show you people are visual and I think it just helps them buy into oh this is a process that's why this is costing this amount of money that's why you know these people are professionals and it just helps sell you as a total package and we um so how ours is set up now and how I've been sending out proposals you've been doing the same thing is that we have a cover photo in like cover page oh our putums are putums are right on there yeah and as you can tell from the photo lance is slightly taller (laughs) and then after that we have kind of a just a whole bunch of testimonials and then it's our contract and at the end we have example uh you know photos of of, of built work we should send that to mark um just so i actually you do it that way i do it this way i do the cover and then the little spiel about you know references and referrals and then um, a, a comparable or applicable work or whatever, or like, yep. and then the proposal comes at the end. So it's all sex, 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 and then the details meat. at the end. Meat, yeah. So I put the meat in the middle, and I put the dessert at the end. That's interesting. And the reason why is... well, Is one, that why you're on fire? That's probably why I'm on fire. <laughs> it, 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 it's the same logic that you, when you're doing a presentation. So your first or second yeah. best view is, is first, and then your first or second best view is last. Yeah. So that's how I bookend it well what's awesome is there's two of us so then we can we can there's diversity in how we're going after it Hmm. yep what i also thought was cool and and you'll have to join uh mark's uh entree uh, architect group to to kind of get into the weeds of all this is that you know he broke it down each phase by percentages 
And then he has a rolling compensation depending on what the budget, your construction budget is. So the, the, I've heard people talk about it. I've never seen it, it executed. And, and here it is, you know, on our computers um, that, you know, if the budget goes up, well, then the fee goes up and you can link that to, you know, your payments and you can settle all up at the end. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of, it's kind of, well, cool. it's, it's, I, I think we, I, I'm, I'm open 100% starting to try that and see if we can get it to work. I mean, I, I think it has to be on an experimental basis for sure for us because it's just not, it's contrary to how we do it, which is fine. I know. And I wonder how, I wonder if it's a shift in the client's mindset, meaning. I think 100%. So instead of thinking about a chunk of thousands of dollars in like 10, 15, $20,000 increments, it's like, oh, yeah, cabinets are 5%, architecture is 4%, framing is 15%. Well, how many times, how many times have we been in those meetings where we say, where they look at our contract and they go, what? X amount of dollars, and we're like, your cabinets are going to cost twice as much. Yeah. And so then I think I think maybe that's – it's one thing for us to say it, but if we link it in in the way these contracts are set up, maybe then it's a one. Then then it fi- will finally click. Yeah. I wonder hmm. – it just depends. It would be interesting. I, <laughs> I wish somehow you could test it with like – you send one cl- uh, contract to one client to – you know, let's say you're my client, Lance, and we do our regular way. And then we erase your memory and then send one with, you know, <laughs> at, a, at a higher, you know, at a percentage fee, but do this shift. Or, or I'll, I'll throw one at you. The last two houses that I've done, actually not the last two. There was, there was one house where I said, okay, you have two different options. Actually, no, no. The last two houses that I did get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of them, I said, <clears throat> okay, if you're going to pay everything up front, here's your fee. If we're going to do an in increments, here's your fee. And I gave them two different contracts and they ended up going with the all up front and then, and then it was, it was a bigger fee. And then the other, so I gave him two options. So why couldn't you do that with just one client? Why couldn't you say, Hey, we can go about this two ways fixed or percentage of percentage of budget. And you, I think in their mind, they could, you could come up with, you know, everybody thinks they can get it done cheaper. Everybody thinks they can get it done cheaper. So then they all come in like, Oh yeah, I know. Cause I'm going to be doing this and that. And I'm going to get it down to a hundred and blah, blah, blah square foot. And in the end, if you know, then they, they say they trust their gut and their thoughts and they say, yeah, I'm going to do it for cheaper. And then you end up signing that contract that is tied to construction costs, but then they just ratchet it up and you end up making more money. Well, they made the decision. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Interesting. It'd be interesting to do that. <clears throat> Two other documents he has is just a reference letter, uh, which is kind of cool. And then basically his, uh, standard terms and conditions. And why he included this is because he has a section in there for purchasing through the office of the architect. Did you even see that? No. Now I am now. I am looking at it now. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, you can purchase materials, products, stones, tiles, lighting, fabric, furniture, paint, carpets, artwork, blah, 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 through his office. I almost want to get him on and say, how did you set all that up? Products and markets. And I think part of it, and I called called one of uh, our... Interior designers, and she hasn't called me back. When did and you When did you do that? Yes, two oh, days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, call me back. You know who I'm talking about. Ooh, <laughs> I got honor about that. Yeah. Hours or less. Yeah. But how they how how that actually gets gets set up, and and not only do I want to do furniture, fixtures, hardware, all that stuff, I want to do framing, roof tiles, you know, Elon Musk, whatever. There it is. 
Yeah. And so that's why that's that's just to reiterate, that's why this got shared with us is because uh, because of the last podcast where you said, "Hey, can we can we do this? Yeah. Can we start purchasing?" It's super interesting. I like it. I don't mind it. It's more it's more it's more services. Once we get our new offices, we could do it here. It's just that we already have like eight guys in this tiny place. <laughs> so once we get our new office, we might have a place where our the materials that we use the most, those manufacturers happily will send us samples. Um, we can have them laid out there, and then maybe that's why. Like, okay, we were thinking. Oh, we have this plenty. Stuff. We have a huge. We'll have a huge space for that. Yeah, and that's a good idea if we don't end up using that. If we don't, if we're not building any houses, tiny yeah. houses, tiny houses, storage, yeah. all that. Cool. Uh, well, good stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't. So I would encourage everybody to, if you haven't already, and you're listening to this podcast or in the future, um, go check out entrearchitect.com and sign up. Um, if you, especially if you're starting out, I couldn't think of a better resource. Um, I, I think because we're not, we're not, we're not giving out our contracts, and I think Mark is the perfect resource for that. Exactly. As much as Revit Furniture helps you leapfrog and just really focus you and says, here's a proven system, and here's everything you need, uh, and these are like the answer. Our answer is not not to you know blow up, but these are correct, tested answers. If you are just starting a firm, I think. Why not go get all that? I mean, he's been through it. You're going to leapfrog and do it two ways. So first go to entrearchitect.com, sign up, yeah. and go right over to revitfurniture.com. Boom, boom. You're done. Millionaire. Instant. <laughs> pro- guaranteed. Stamp. And then listen to every single podcast episode of this podcast. Exactly. And, you're, you're in, and then you're in good shape. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, with that, I have a, we have a, uh, a guest listener um, and by the name of Colin Abdallah, and I hope I I hope I uh, read that correctly. So he contacted us, I think, last week, and I'm going to read um, just a little excerpt from a email that he sent us. So he says, after listening to your guest episode number 158 on the Entree Architect podcast, I was inspired. It's perfect yeah. to create my own website and platform, Prop Architecture, to celebrate small firm architects and get started on building the foundation for my own future practice. I have since grown prop into a portfolio website i used to showcase my own work both school and professional as well as a blog to help architecture students like myself alongside me as i dive deeper into the evolving practice of architecture and internet marketing so <clears throat> we had a few back and forth with colin and he ended up asking if we would uh um if we could do a q a and then he would write it on his blog so I hope this is okay with Colin, and he's a listener, so <laughs> he's gonna find out. <laughs> we we promised him that we would record them, but Alex, as we drove back and forth to work, aka teaching, but we haven't driven this week, so I think that's where it fell through. So what we're gonna what we're going to do is we're gonna do this on air, and we're gonna we're gonna pick. There's about he, he sent over I think like twelve a, twelve dozen or sorry not twelve dozen but twelve. Uh, questions. So we're going to try to read a couple each week and and hammer it out that way. But they're great questions, and I think it, and I think it acts. It, it literally reflects the name of this podcast inside the firm. Yeah, and I think um, we'll do three this week, and then maybe answer the rest for him next week, so that he can get it out to his listeners in a comprehensive whole yeah. thing, and then we'll trickle in questions as as needed on on our firm. There you go. Yeah, perfect. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So I'll read the first question to you, Lance. Are you okay. ready? Are you in the hot seat? Yep. Uh, how tall are you? <laughs> That's not the question. Uh, what does a typical day at your firm look like? What types of projects are your employees working on at a given time? Uh, do they often have more than one project on their plate due to the smaller size of the firm? So my day, full disclosure here, is obviously different than my business partner's day. 
um, because we're different people and we, we work differently. Uh, so <clears throat> my typical day starts out, um, I'm usually in between 8 and 10 and uh, to start off the day. And the reason for that is I, I have a home office. Um, and I, I, if I get on a roll in the morning hammering out administrative tasks, then I just, I just continue until I'm to, at a good stopping point. And if that means that I don't get into a little bit later, that's fine as long as everybody's on autopilot and I'm not missing a meeting. Um, so the projects, and then, um, and then my typical day from there is lately it's been getting, I've been able to block out chunks of time to do, uh, tasks, um, in a much more efficient way by delegating more of the as built work out to one of our, one of our employees who is an expert at it. And so, and Alex actually kind of said, why are you, he actually told me like, I think last week or the week before, why are you out so much doing these? Like, why are you doing this anymore? And I go, that's a good point. I don't think I need to be doing that anymore. I think this guy is on top of it. And he has been. And we actually gave him a raise yesterday um, because he's doing such a great job. So I've been so I've been able to actually get back to real architecture, uh, doing architecture work and drafting more, uh, at least, and designing more, uh, 50% of my time. And then the other 50% is administrative work. Um, what type of projects that my employees are working on, on my side, are a lot of different houses. We're doing uh, additions, um, some remodels. Uh, we're doing some drafting for, for general steel and then we are doing custom houses. So a huge variety of work. Um, and then do they often have more one project, more than one project in their plate? Yes, but it's, it's, it's sort of, so everybody has probably three to six projects that is on their, that is on their plate at one given time. It doesn't mean they're obviously simultaneously working on them at the same time. It's sort of a linear thing. So we try to get to a good start and stop point. Um, let's say I, you know, I give uh, a project to somebody and I say, okay, here's, here's a program. Here's kind of a sketch I have for a bubble diagram. All I want are schematic level floor plans by the end of the week. They hammer those out and then there's something else comes right after that. And I say, okay, I take this from schematic design to design development level. Um, so it's sort of a triage is how I would say, you know, projects come in, we hammer them out as quickly as we can. Um, but yeah, three to six is usually what they do. And then the critical part here is that Alex and I try to do too is, uh, so back to, you know, sort of ownership of everything. Keep whoever's on that project from the beginning, try to keep them on there to the end. So there's just this, there's no problem of transference of information. Yeah. Uh, my day, it's generally kind of similar. Uh, I'm upset if I do not get in by six o'clock. And the only reason I'm not in by six o'clock is because I fail and hit the snooze sometimes. Um, and I do that for the same reason Lance does it is that I can come here and focus. Um, who knows when my baby and my wife get up and all that. And, uh, you know, he, if Yours he sees is, me, exactly. he will attack Exactly. Me. And Alex has a baby who is yeah. under a year old. So, you know, drastic difference. My kids, it's a routine every time. My wife takes the kids to school. You probably don't even look at you anymore. Barely. In, honestly, <laughs> barely in the morning. It's mostly a, hey, you know, and that's it. And then they're off to school, you know. Um, so, Yeah. But but uh, the key is the blocking out mornings. I just can't express how important that is to really become a morning person if you're going to be a highly productive person. Yep, absolutely. Um, so a lot of times, uh, my projects, I'm in the morning. I can block out uh, time to do stuff, but then the rest of the day is this email, that email, this email, that uh, just craziness. I'm like, holy cow, what just happened? Like yesterday, yesterday was just whole bunch of nonsense and fridays 
Fridays are real difficult for us to get anything done because our morning, a lot of our morning is on Friday is this podcast. You yep. get preparing for it and then I cut it afterwards. And, and it seems like there's always an interview for a potential uh, employee or yeah. client or something like that. And then there's firm lunches. We all go out and we have a blast at firm lunches. Uh, so that's, that's my kind of day. Uh, my guys, which Lance and I, we, we split, sometimes I steal his guys. Sometimes he steals my guys. Um, but one guy, if there's a major project, that will be his major. And then there'll just be a supplemental, you know, like one or two little projects. Um, one of my other guys, he's catch all has three or four projects, you know, going at a time. And then, uh, I, there's a student, you can call him an intern, um, that I try to just give one one project, and and why I like doing that is that then they can see the whole project, you know, from front front to beginning and, and really learn. So that's it. That's it. that's it. Okay, I'm gonna ask you the next okay. question that we picked out. Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay, <clears throat> as students, we often struggle to develop our own design process in school. What does your firm's design process look like? Do you use a more drawing or, or drawing oriented method, or do you prefer jumping right into 3D modeling? So I'll break that question in half. Um, the, the first half, we struggle to develop our own design process in school. There is an answer for you, and I will selfishly promote our As book. you should, as you should. Um, the creativity code, um, because it's creativity through architecture. And the backstory is uh, we, were, we, we made this book um, to kind of release what we developed in the class. And the class that we taught was engineers how to do architecture and how to design. Because basically, at the end of their college career, they were asked to design a building, and they were just making very efficient engineering-looking boxes. <laughs> and, and the fa faculty and staff was like, okay, obviously this works, but not everyone's going to make a box. You know, our, our world isn't built like that. So they wanted us to bring creativity and skill to these designers. And Lance and I didn't go about it trying to think like, oh, okay, we're going to have them paint. We're going to have them do this great, you know, you're going to go out and, you know, hike and come up with an idea is we gave them a process. And that process was learning visual, uh, design principles, creating a filter for yourself, and then creating a system of how to, how to check and critique yourself at the end so that you can see like, did your party line up? You know, did, did you boil it down to a filter? And then did that, did you apply that filter not only to the elevations, but the floor plans, all that other stuff. And we give you examples of our real world projects, right? So if you're a student, this, uh, you'll be familiar with some of these concepts, but it's like we were talking about earlier in the podcast or like when my dad comes on and he says, Hey, focus on a skill, focus on your attitude and attack it aggressively. Well, that's coming from a guy who basically got up to a C, the C-suite, just below the C-suite level without a college education at a huge firm IBM. So we are boiling down a process that we use that has worked extremely well in school. Um, so go ahead, grab that book. It's $15. It's, it's worth it. Amazon, right? Amazon.com, the creativity code, Al Gore, check yep. it out. It's awesome. And so I, I want to jump in and just say what interject one, one little thing here. The other thing that I think is that is missed is, and that every, that a lot of architecture and design students are sort of led to believe is that you have to reinvent the wheel. And in my world, it is not about that. And my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, good, good artists copy, great artists steal, and then I like to add ideas. So you're not actually, you know, that's the key is you're, you're taking great, good, you know, good art, good and great ideas from other 
seasoned designers and implementing those ideas and those things into your design and making it happen. You're not reinventing the real the wheel. You are redrawing it in your own way and using your filter. Yeah, exactly. And what it's doing is that it's it's giving you extremely quickly a a proven framework. So then you can see, then you can take framework these ideas, in a palette. Yep. And and run them through that that framework. And then all of a sudden your framework changes because you're a different person. It's a different project. So you get something unique and then you can start to scope, uh, create your own framework right through experience because you can't create a framework based off of no experience. Right. And that's the problem with, with marketing too, because I, I'm reading this book about marketing and then I thought about what we used to apply, like, because everything is, you know, focus on what your customer wants. What I thought my customer wanted three years ago is different than what I thought. Now it was, uh, a novice, you know, idea of it. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, even if I had this book three years ago, my answer wouldn't have been as good, you know? So it's hard for you to create a framework and process off of very little experience. So take this one as your starting point and then start to morph it through there. And how about a second question? Do you use a more drawing oriented method or do you prefer jumping right into 3d modeling? I prefer, I do a little bit both. And normally, um, Man, I just I'm designing something right now. I just jumped into 3D modeling. I just jump into 3D modeling now. And but what will happen is if if someone at our firm is doing something and they'll show me something, I don't know whether they sketched it out first or went in 3D model, but then I'll probably sketch, you know, over their things, but I pretty much just execute in 3D now. Yeah. I I'll do a thumbnail. I'll do a thumbnail, like literally a tiny little thing. You know, just on a side of paper that gets thrown away. Yep. I've been doing, uh, so brand new houses and I, I sent over a really good bubble diagram based off of the program that I gleaned from the client in, in the original, you know, the initial meeting. So I sketched that out in, on, on our iPad. Um, so it's, you know, pure, pure digital and then sent over that. And then he interpreted that and went right into Revit and hammered it out, um, so I think it depends on your comfort level with Revit as well, <clears throat> or 3D modeling. I think the tools that you use digitally, are all, you are limited by your limitations. So the more that you are well-versed in those, in those tools, in Revit and these 3D modeling programs, the better off that you are able to use that tool. So you don't become the tool. The tool is your tool. Yep. yep. Okay. Want me to read the next question to you? Sure. Last, last one for... For a prop. Yep. Uh, you both landed jobs at award-winning firms after graduation. What advice do you have for graduating students to help them land their dream job? And in case you're just listening, uh, I worked for Daniel Liebskin, World Trade Center uh, designer, famous architect. If you don't know him, just Google him and, and you'll see. Lance worked for uh, Studio HT. Both principals uh, won Young Architect of the Year for the whole United States separately. And then the other thing I would add on to that is Alex and I, both landed, well, I'll just jump into it this way. <clears throat> so here, here's how I think you do it. And sorry for clearing my throat. Um, here's how I think you do it is, Alex and I did, did it the same way is, so if you are in your fifth year or whatever year is your last year of when you're going to graduate, you should be, you should have your portfolio, your cover letter and your resume ready to go by Christmas. Okay. Then then right after Christmas, while everybody is just starting to get into their semester, you start sending off um, a condensed version of that digitally to potential employers. And what you go ahead? I, I think we did it over Christmas break. Exactly. And right when school started, we probably looked at each other's and then we're like, okay, let's send them out. Yep. 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 
that's exactly what happened. And then, so you you send out, you know, you're going to send out introductory letters uh, or inquiries to to firms. Hopefully, you can get a hold of the principal. The key is to um, there's two different ways. So. If you're looking at a small firm, off, chances are you can probably get right to the principal's email. If you're looking at a big firm, you have to go through HR. So what you have to do is if you're going to go through HR, and this is what I did and Alex did too, is contact HR and then ask them who the hiring principal is. So then you can get right to the right to the principal again. So first of all, you have to just get right to who you need to to look at your stuff, okay? Then when you send that initial, hey, I'm, inter- I'm, I'm interested in, in uh, working for your firm. I noticed I, I really enjoyed this project. So first you got to set up like a compliment sandwich and you need to compliment that firm and say, hey, I, I like what you did here. Here's why I'm interested. And then you, your last thing that you say in the cover letter introduction is, I'm going to be in New York City during, during uh, the, week, the week of, and that week of is your spring break. So when, you're, when you are graduating that year, you don't get to go party. You go out and you use it. So because if you're, especially if you're trying to get a job in New York or in my case, like Colorado, when we get these out of state, um, people, we want to have a face to face, even at our firm, we want to have a face to face with you and get a feel for your personality and how you're going to going to work. And there's so many good people that we don't want to make you drive here just for us. So honestly, you're competing with people. You might be the best. You might be in the top five, but we might say, hey, there's four that are just in good that are already here. Exactly. So you let them know that you will be there no matter what. It doesn't matter. You're coming to Colorado anyways. You're coming to New York anyways. So they're like, ah, might as well interview. Might, well inter- might as well interview them. Yeah. Ah, one of our employees did that. Yeah. Jackson. That's how Jackson. Shout did. out. Yeah. Love that guy. Honestly, we maybe weren't going to interview him. And he's. Yeah. He goes, he goes. He goes. Yeah. We weren't. We were, might not have. And then he said, no, I'll be out here during X and X. And we're like, oh, well, then let's interview you. Yeah. Yeah. So make it. Make it easy. The easiest way possible, and don't leave any doubt for that person that you're contacting that they should be interviewing you. Yep. And I'll just take a different approach to the same question because we've, Lance and I did this, and the people that we want to hire that, that we teach, they all do this, is that you need to start just rocking it from the first day that you get there. So what that means is every project that you do from the beginning project, you take extremely seriously. You do exactly what the professor is saying. Um, and then, you know, you make sure you meet all the standards and then you just add one skill on top of that, right? So whether it's learning how to draw trees or learning how to render or learning how to do a, a Photoshop thing, just one per project, because by the time you're done, you'll have, you know, eight extra skills that weren't taught to you. And one it uh, for example was, uh, there was this, this lady who did this house. Um, and a lot of people do amazing houses. This was maybe our first or second year teaching. And then she did this PowerPoint where, you know, like she looked at shadows and leaves and you know, all this, and then applied each one of those thoughts to her building. And I go, well, how did you think about formatting this way? She's like, well, I listened to your lecture and it seemed very logical because (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's kind of what we wanted to do. And you just did it, but you did it with this extra step. I was like, for the most part, your professors know, they know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So really start, uh, increasing your own internal standard, right? Because you're going to go against these people. and, And we've known from experience that people were just as good and or better than, than Lance and I talent wise, skills wise, everything who did not do that. And then it, you know, the scales tipped 
and and they they stayed level and we went we went above exactly raw talent is one thing but effort is a whole nother thing and i then i would go i would i kind of close with this part uh this as far as that that's that question goes is in between semesters sorry in between yeah in between school years in the summer I would learn a new program. So one summer it was like uh, was Form Z, and then the next summer it was it was 3ds Max. So and your first one should be Revit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so if you don't know Revit, that's that's what you're doing this summer. Yeah. This so, winter, Christmas, or whenever. Above and beyond. Yep. Do go for it. Cool. All right. With that, uh, I want to introduce oh. our next. I, I gotta stop again. Oh, something else. You got something else? No. Just if if you're learning Revit, uh, so shamelessly we sell our whole system you know and and for firm licenses it's it's a substantial investment it's it's over a thousand dollars because this is real legit stuff there is a student version if you go on revitfurniture.com put in your student email address it it drops um it's under a hundred no it's it's about a hundred dollars something like that but it's it's gold so if you want to learn revit that that's where to do it honestly Mm -hmm. uh okay and with that I'd like to introduce our uh, guest, uh, one of our guests for this week with our best and worst advice segment. It is none other than Courtney Gonzalez. Uh, she's one of the founding members of, uh, what is it called? Uh, ECHTarchitects.com. Uh, they, do, they do great work. They're down in Florida. So Courtney earned her master's degree uh, from Norwich University. She has, devoted, she has devoted her career to designing and managing custom high-end residential projects. In all stages from conceptual sketch to construction documents. Her portfolio includes new construction and renovations. Courtney is passionate about developing beautiful designs that are both sensitive and inspiring. And she is an avid listener, and I asked her to send in, uh, Alex and I did, best and worst advice. So we're going we're gonna to have a little listen. Hey, guys. This is Courtney Gonzalez with ACT Architects in Sarasota, Florida. Thank you so much for having me on today. And also for giving such an awesome insight into what it is to be inside of an architecture firm. The best advice that I ever heard related to the architecture world that I still use today um, was actually when I was interning. My boss at the time told me, or advised me rather, not to wear headphones while I was at work. And this wasn't because there was a policy against headphones or that he thought it was distracting or anything like that. It was actually because we had an open studio and he saw that having your ears open to your colleagues, your peers, your boss, everybody coming in and out of that studio as being an amazing learning opportunity for a young intern. And at the time, I actually remember being quite upset about it because when you are in school, as you remember, I'm sure, and as many of the listeners recall, um, you know, headphones and watching TV, watching movies, listening to music while working really was uh, just a cultural thing. It was an easy way to keep the workflow going, to kind of get through that final push and have something else that was Um, in the background. So I remember being pretty upset about it, but it actually turned out to be one of the best things that I ever, um, the best pieces of advice of advice that I ever took because I really was able to learn a lot from my peers and my colleagues and the people coming in that 
uh, a lot of a lot of the people around me sitting at the other desk that didn't take that advice kind of missed. And I think it jump started me and really pushed me forward in my career. Um, the worst advice that I ever received related to architecture, I think was actually uh, just a few years ago when I started my new firm. My business partner and I were seeking other people's advice, really asking a lot of questions. Um, and at the time, we didn't even have a name for our firm. So we were even asking people what they thought about naming and um, strategies for that. And, you know, everyone is eager to give their advice, but not all of it was good. And I think that the worst advice we took or didn't take, chose not to take, was that um, we should use our last names as the name of our firm. Now, I know that there's a lot of people out there that do use their last names, but for us, it was a particularly bad idea because at the time I was engaged and my last name was about to change. But I think on a more holistic sense, using your last name can be a very limiting factor for a firm that is interested in growth, that's interested in long-term um, existence, and potentially even multi-generational, potentially growing in terms of partners. And so we, we chose not to use our last name, and I'm so glad that we made that decision. That's all I have for you guys. Lance, Alex, thank you for having me on. And I look forward to your next podcast. So great. <laughs> you go first. Uh, sorry that I said E-C-H-T. It is ECT Architects, just to clarify. Uh, uh, so I, have, I actually, this, so the best advice she ever got um, was no headphones. So I, I, I like that, but I have a question for you. Yes. Just for as a question. Would you ever feel comfortable telling our guys that? Because I don't think I would. I don't, I don't like to, I, that seems very controlling, but I buy Courtney's logic behind really liking that. And here's what I would say is the, nobody in the office has Beats headphones. So if anybody doesn't know what those are, those are the ones that cover your ears. They're like the bows. They cancel out all the noise, right? We all have, we all are like iPhone head people. So we have the i the iPhone headphones. And what I like about the iPhone headphones is that it allows two way, um, sound so you can hear what the heck's going on around you and stuff like that yeah so i because and how much how many times in our office do we have something comes up and then we ever somebody pulls their headphones down and they go oh and then they jump into the conversation yeah or so i i like the concept and and i think maybe it's not the actual rule but it, it's be engaged listen to everything you know talk back and forth and w what i like one of our cultures at f and nine is um quick responses quick learning um, a lot of times I'll be telling some, you know, someone to do something and then maybe I'll have to do with design options. So Jason is the best at design options. So I'll say, make a design option for this, go grab Jason. He'll tell you what to do. Right. So it's always sharing and learning and teaching. And I do that for a purpose because if we get these guys in the habit of, I might have to teach this, I might have to tell someone this, then man, they better make sure they know it. And I, and I don't have to say, hey, make sure you know design options. I don't even know design options as well as <laughs> probably they do. Yeah. Um, so I love that concept. And, and, but I would just balance it with sometimes there's so much going on in the firm that there's, there's that learning and interacting. And then there's something called deep work. And deep work is that in the morning, you know, no one else is around. Or sometimes if I have to do it, I'll put on my headphones just to zone out. Sometimes I put on my headphones. I don't even have music. Me in. too. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's weird. Yeah. A lot of times I'm just like, I just need it a little bit more quiet. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's valid, but I think there is times when, when you can have it too. Um, and then worst advice. I thought this was interesting too. What an interesting perspective because if we were ever to restart our firm, what were we going to call it? Gore and Psycho. <laughs> just because I feel like that name is awesome. And I would want to sell, I would want to spell your name psycho. So people spell it, you know, like do, do parentheses like P, you know, we'd have to, we'd have to get graphic-y designy on that or something. Because they always say Keiko. They They always say Keiko. It's the worst spelled name in the history of ever. Yeah. Um, but I get where, where she's coming from. Uh, There's so many firms where I see and law firms too. It's just three names. And, and for some reason, these names can't be four letters like Gore. They're, 14 letters each and like, I'm not going to remember this. This is crazy. And some firms where some architecture firms, I can't remember what they're called because they're three huge names. And I look, I'm like, wow, you guys are huge. You have 50 people in Colorado. I have never heard of you in my life. Or if I have, I forgot. Bolinsky. How about that? That's yeah. like a name I I feel like would be like Bolinsky, Krasinski, yeah. and Jelinski. If you can, if you can, if you do have that, but if you could reduce it like S-O-M. Initials? Yeah. Skidmo, Owings, and Merrill, and then it becomes this icon. But again, who knows if we're ever going to make a, a company called Goran Psycho. Uh, it, it would probably just be more of a fun thing because what we talked about here on this podcast is everyone needs to take ownership. And we've even talked about setting up a program so the employees can be the owners of the company too. So I think I think she has a fair point there, that if it's just named those two guys or one guy's like, how much ownership do I have? You know, and it depends on who you're selling. Are you selling the person? Are you selling Liebskin? Or are you selling the firm? What happens when he goes away? Who knows? That's been a huge question for Gary Partners, for Liebskin. Uh, Zaha Hadid seems to be continuing on, you know, even though she passed away. I still see projects coming up from, from their office. Right. So that'll be a test to watch. And to, to give a little bit of insight on, or just, how about our name, for instance? So F9 Productions. My 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 gripe, but I'm over it, is without people will call us and then they'll say, "What do you guys do?" So it's not obvious what we do, you know. Um, but I but at the same time, I li- I still like it because it's an icebreaker because people ask, "What does that mean?" And then it's a good way to segue into just kind of how we started and everything. It kind of brings it things down to a humble level. But that's my take. <laughs> Look what I just added to our website, just so people know. <laughs> Front page. We transform great ideas into amazing architecture. Click here to get a quote. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now people know. No, they don't. Good job, Al. Yeah. Um, tell me about this 34. So thanks again, Courtney. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy, to, happy to have you on. Uh, Al, tell me about this 30 by 40 video. Okay. So this actually ties in when you brought up just minutes ago with your literally brilliant insight. Learn a new skill. So... Um, Eric Reinhold puts out videos all the time. He has a recent one on YouTube. I'll try to link to it um, where people are just asking him a question, kind of an ask me anything. So everything's coming together here. Um, and one of his advice to students was learn video editing software. And I thought that was great. That's another thing where it's unique. No one else is doing it. There's, um, it can be a beneficial to uh, someone who's hiring you. I know one of our employees is, is a photographer. He's a photographer. It's super helpful. Hey, we need a picture of this. Go out and do it. <laughs> and, and there were, and I mean, you wouldn't even, there were some images where we had to take out uh, certain things being shown on the images. And, and people was, and a whole bunch of yeah, things. Yeah, so like doc- electrical lines. Yep, doctoring them up to make them look 
I mean, like seamless is was paramount. Yeah. So uh, just anything visual, Jesus. That's that's what we're doing here, right? Architecture, visual. It's yeah. all everything's visual. So any kind of visual extra skill you can you can obtain, go for it. And especially, I haven't got. A, I've we have received plenty of resumes, and a lot of them are PDFs or a link to their website. Someone sent me a video. I, I look at all the resumes unless it you know got crazy. I don't know why I wouldn't, but man, I'd watch that video. Yeah, I would watch that video hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I like when people send both both versions when they send a, a PDF and then they say, oh by the way, here's my digital portfolio. And usually what happens is I go right to the online portfolio, and then we don't really tackle the PDFs and stuff until we get into the interview. Yeah. So our next segment is from our short friend. We just confirmed that he's shorter than both oh, of us. Really? Yeah. How short are we talking? Can we say it on air? Yeah, like five six. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> maybe five four um i don't know if that's true or not but it's my podcast so. <laughs> Man, i think he i think he's under five i think he's like four eleven. wow yeah so wow is, is his wife taller oh at least by a foot at least by a foot wow. and he's okay with that so so that there's no problem with that yeah. so here's nicholas renard from dig architecture with nick greeds Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. A reading. In the most memorable section of his citizenship in a republic speech, Theodore Roosevelt captured his life philosophy in just a few sentences. The man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of good deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Groovy. You're too late, Lance. I have already put in motion an elaborate plan, a series of events, diabolically designed to rid this mountain of you and your evil presence forever. Toodles! So here, we'll start off with Lance. Uh, he has limited time left. <laughs> so you might as well get your opinion out before Nick takes you down. Um, if, if, if you're my friend on Facebook, you've probably seen me say this several times. Those who don't create, critique. And if you are, if you are going to critique, have you first volunteered to do whatever the heck you're critiquing on? So <clears throat> it's, um, I, 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 have a, I have a problem with critics in that regard. Um, so that, that's my, that's my, my take on it is if you're just, if you're listening to this and, and you are thinking about critiquing somebody, just take one, please for my sake, take three breaths and say, have I volunteered first to do, to solve this problem or whatever before I get critical on it? So, uh, but if I haven't, then maybe I should, because you're not helping the situation at all. Yeah. Or, or do I have any experience in here? Right, because uh, Ray Dalio, he's biggest hedge fund manager in the world. I, I, I think so. 
he has this idea that not everyone's opinions. He says not everyone has a right to an yes. opinion. Yes. But I don't believe that's true. I think not everyone's opinion has worth. There's different weights to your opinion. Yeah, right? 100%. So you can have an opinion, right? Let's say you have an opinion on a subject, but so many times from only the stuff that I'm from familiar with and I'm, and I'm trying to be, uh, I'm actually trying to narrow my scope of opinions, right? Because some of this politics stuff, uh, which you're into more, if I really think about it, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't do it. I'm not in it. I'm, you know, this is my opinion. What is it worth? Probably not much. I can say that opinion, but when I hear stuff that I do know at least something about it, it's frustrating where it's like, Oh, there's so many things wrong with your fundamental belief of how this actually works. So, un so unless you get experience in something, just know your opinion might be worth nothing. And if you are getting other opinions from people or critiques, know that maybe a ton of it is worth absolutely zero. There's a no there's a technique. Um, so I've, I've been back into meditating again. Oh, good for you. Yeah, it's been great. Every morning. So I'll, I'll, are you doing the um, app? Yep, Headspace app. Everybody check it out. Uh, it's awesome because, and I do ten minute intervals. So one thing that I have learned and and have uh, from from this meditation process is a, is a technique called noting. So what happens is is when you meditate, everybody everybody has this idea when they first get into meditating. They're like, "Wow, my I just so you just you don't think about anything." Nope, actually, that's the point of it. Is these thoughts these thoughts come into your head? And then you note them. You go. So let's say, let's say I thought about like, oh, I gotta go. Al so cool. Al so cool. I, I would him. note that. I would say, yeah, he's cool. And then what I say, and then what I tell, what I tell little Al in my brain when he comes in <laughs> when I'm meditating is, I go, hey, you're cool. Hi, bye. And then it goes away. So I think the same thing happens here. Let's say you see something and you feel like you're gonna critique. Note it. Note that. Oh, I want to critique it. And then you have. To, so you're thinking about it, and you digest it a little bit before you react. So it's just this. It's you're trying to be a little bit more present and cognizant of how you react to things, and it helps you be a calmer person. Believe it or not, it helps me be a calmer person. Yeah. The guy who's the most highest strung in the office. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's hard too because um, I actually wanted to ask Jocko has a podcast. He's a Navy SEAL guy. Wrote a book um, because there was a situation where there was this captain in in this war, and he basically was a coward. He didn't do anything. And then when he got back on the base, you know, he was talking about how he's the bravest stuff. And he's like, how do you, how do you approach someone that's semi delusional? And I wonder if he'd say like, is it even worth your time? And that's the question because you see something that you might know something about, or you think you know something about because you might actually not know something about it. And you just want to set the record straight. Yep. And that's, the, the, <laughs> you know, that's the weird thing. And are you engaging in someone where it doesn't matter? Are you actually going to make a difference? I don't know the answers to all this, but I think if you start by acknowledging that you might not know something about that, that's the first step. Um, because then an, an, another principle that I've heard is know the other person's opinion is, is strong. You know, actually make their opinion stronger. So instead of making a straw man, you make a steel man out of their exactly. argument and really build it up and like, then if you can poke some holes into it now, now you're talking. Yep. 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 100%. Cool. Uh, well, thanks again, Nick. Yep. Uh, all right. With that last segment here, we're going to continue as Al's, Al's awesome streak of code questions. hundred percent. Chapter 32, best chapter ever in the international building codes. Uh, chapter, so encroachments 32 point or 32, 02.2.3 awnings. 
The vertical clearance from the public right-of-way to the lowest part of any awning, including valances, shall not be less than how many feet? A, 6 foot 8, B, 7 feet, C, 7.5 feet, D, 8 feet. Well, this is this is IBC. Six foot eight is clearance for doors. I think commercially, uh, seven foot is um, the lowest that you can have a, a room. Um, so if you would ask me that question, I would have known. And I'm just gonna say it's very similar um, to that. Even though I haven't seen one that that's that low, but if a room can be that low, I'm gonna say an outdoor room boxed by an awning can be that low. So your answer is B, seven foot. Yep. Correct. Woo! The streak continues. Bonus question. Bonus question. What the hell is a valance? I was going to ask you, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so I'll just read it for everybody because I had to look this up. A valance. A length of decorative drapery attached to the canopy or frame of a bed in order to screen the structure or space beneath it. So the same thing from, you know, if you have an awning, right? You've seen like a, on a downtown Main Street, that's a valance. Well, yeah, and then I was also thinking, you know, 1940s running for president. You got that drapery thing. You know who knows this answer? Yeah, Troxel, Evan. <laughs> All right, last question here. We'll wrap it up. Uh, 3202.3.3. Encroachments, how many feet above grade should not be limited? Encroachments, how many feet above grade should not be limited? A, 12 feet. B, 13 feet. C, 14 feet. D, 15. What? How many? Explain that sent- that question. So Imagine if we were designing the Denver Art Museum. Okay. And we wanted to have an overhang. Have a huge overhang over into the street like it literally does. Yeah. By your, but your, your former employer, Daniel Liebskin. Yeah. If we wanted to encroach, okay... Over. Into the public right of way. Okay. That portion of the building has to be X amount of feet above grade in order for us to be able to do that. Nice. D- even if it's occupiable space, d- d- is there a differentiator there? Because you could increase how many, you know, your I usable I don't, area. I don't think, I think, I don't, I'm, I don't know. That's okay. a tangential question. What, uh, what are my options? 12 feet. 13 feet, 14 feet, 15 feet. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with the highest one. I'd say... Congratulations! 100%. Nail it. This is on fire! Throw something. I'm you so should ex- throw something. Happy, excited. Cool. Uh, where can you find us, Al? You can find us at uh, insidethefirm.com. Insidethefirmpodcast.com. Yep. Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter under Inside the Firm or F9 Productions. Um the creativity code has its own page. Alexander dot Alexander Gore.com has its own page. Email us. My email is AKG at F nine productions.com. Please tweet at us. Please review this podcast. Put a star re, uh, rating on it. Lance always says add five. So you do that math in your head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Keep getting after it. See ya.